Guys, what's up? Cool. So, uh, my first episode in spring. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, yeah, you'll see if you guys are watching on YouTube, it's it's a lot brighter than usual. I've had to turn on the studio lights here. Um, it's uh, actually it's beautiful outside. It's overcast. It's dark. It's thundering. It's raining. Some well-needed moisture. Um, yeah, we've been through. Definitely one of the coldest winters I can I can remember since since I was in school and it's great we've had a cup a bit of moisture on the ground and um, yeah this this rain afterwards is is beautiful um, the, you know the trees are blossoming the flowers are out it's it really just gets you in a good mood and uh, yeah just so stoked that uh, everything's happening well guys um yeah welcome to another episode of the podcast our sunday discussion um yeah so this this sunday's discussion is going to be a little bit light um it's going to be mild um i've got some big news to share with you guys not I, unfortunately i won't be able to do it this time um but <clears throat> but i will as as it progresses, um, I'll share a little bit more with you guys through social media uh, and all my other platforms. Uh, I hope you guys can hear the thunder in the background. But uh, yeah, so guys, uh, just to get into things quickly, uh, first you've got to give a big shout out to Trees and Camo. Um, in this particular season, I would love to try out my early season gear. Uh, it's got a nice little green tinge in it. Uh, so it will definitely fit into the, you know, this sort of environment, spring, autumn, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, our hunting season is officially closed, but uh, there are certain parts and certain species you can still hunt. So, uh, yeah, hoping to whip out the bow. I've had some pretty cool success over the last couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, trees and camo. Again, uh, I... I I don't know how I'm ever going to convince you guys on what a great camera these are and, you know, to withstand our bush felt, it takes a lot. So, uh, big shout out to Trees and Camo. <clears throat> Next up um, will be Tacticam. Big shout out to Tacticam. I'm hoping that my stabilizer uh, contraption arrives soon um, so I can put my camera on there and uh, we can test it out. Um, I'm so pumped up about these guys, 4K, slow-mo, they've got the works, you know, as far as action cameras concerned for hunting, they definitely tick all the boxes, so uh, big shout out to Tatticam. Then uh, next up, big shout out to Maxis Tires, yes, these guys have backed me from the start, and uh, again, I've been using the Maxis Razor, the mining application in all sorts of conditions and probably tomorrow morning when I go out I'm going to take Pepper out for a little stroll on the farm just to get her scent going again uh, I'll be testing them out in the mud so a big shout out to uh, Max's Tires then uh, guys also yeah just a very big shout out to Splitting Image Taxidermy um, if there's a taxidermy that you guys need to use when you come out, out on your safari. It's definitely got to be splitting image. The workmanship is unbelievable. The attention to detail is next level. And uh, yeah, I'm just so stoked to be a part of and seeing how, how well they've developed over the years. And 
Yeah, guys, again, I just can't stress that communication is so important when you are mounting your trophies and bringing them back home and stuff, and they do it so professionally. They, they're really an awesome, awesome company to work with, and I, I highly recommend them. Then uh, jumping in, next up on the list will be Banana Skins. Uh, yeah, like I said, in a couple of my earlier podcasts, I've been using them through my rugby playing days and now in the felt. Um, they're really cool. Um, yeah, if, you know, when I'm when I'm gymming now and my off-season training, trying to get fit again for, for next season, I'll be using them flat out on the road, in the gym, um, all over the show and just making sure that they've got me covered. Um, yeah, guys, and then obviously uh, my very own e-commerce store. I'm so proud to be associated with this whole setup and it's some exciting news. I want to tell you guys a little bit more about it uh, a little bit later because I think there's some really nice, exciting things that are going to come from this. But um, yeah, big shout out to PH Toolbox. Uh, yeah, I've, like I said, we launched a couple of weeks ago and uh, I'm just stoked to be out there. It's really exciting for me and uh, some of the benefits and programs and stuff we've got in place for my fellow PHs um, definitely is something to admire and something to so awesome to be a part of so uh, yeah big shout out to PH Toolbox then uh, guys yeah just a big thank you once again to my mom my brother uh, my wife and my beautiful daughter just uh, they never stop believing in me and uh, pushing me to this point and uh, I'm so proud to be here. Uh, 2,000 followers on uh, Instagram. So we're growing, we're growing and it's it's so, it really is nice just to see the raw, you know, progression that we've got and yeah, I'm doing this not for any other gain other than just the love of our magnificent wildlife and uh, conservation and, and wild hunting is our best conservation tool. But guys, without further ado, uh, yeah, our Sunday discussion. Let's get into it. So, yeah, we uh, these Sunday discussions are going to become a little bit difficult now that hunting season's over. But, uh, yeah, um, I would love to hear from you guys what sort of topics you want to find out a little bit more about South Africa, um, our hunting industry, etc. And, uh, yeah, actually, this Sunday discussion is based off one of those questions. Uh, pretty cool. was sent through to me um on Facebook and uh, yeah, just so stoked that I that I'm getting my message out there, and a lot of guys are referring back to me in the way that uh, you know where it comes to help uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, pretty cool and pretty interesting discussion. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. Um, so uh, some big news coming out of the southern part of South Africa and especially Namibia is that on the 1st of September, they actually opened their borders to international travel. Uh, what this means for the rest of us is that hopefully we start following suit. What What's confusing for me is that the protocols in place, uh, I understand them and I, I believe that they need to be there. 
but what you know it's it's a mission you got to understand as far as coming over to south africa for hunting excursion or safari uh whatever it may be you you sort of pressed into a position where i'm gonna say uncomfortable but i don't know if that's the right word but i feel like um there's a lot more effort that goes into planning a safari especially a hunting or photographic safari than it does just packing your bags jumping in an airplane popping over to the next country and and exploring there's a there's a lot more planning involved especially if you're hunting you've got to plan with all your rifles binoculars uh and all that as well as photographic cameras binoculars books all that sort of stuff so um yeah and now to throw in the mix you've got to have covid tests um you know you've got to plan that once you land at your airport you're not allowed to spend you have to go straight to your overnight destination you're not allowed to mingle around there's there's a lot of criteria so yeah you know it's a big step especially coming from namibia um to be honest with you i would have thought it would have been one of the other countries that would have taken the leap but i'm glad it's done now uh we're starting to move forward in a very positive way uh, but like I say, the hassle is still going to be there for how long? I don't know. Uh, for me, um, I just feel that, you know, making sure that you've got a, a negative COVID test seven days before you fly out and all that sort of stuff, it just adds to this whole rigmarole of unnecessary stuff, you know. Um, yeah, guys, you know... COVID for me is a sensitive topic. Uh, I don't really want to get too much into it because what I believe, what I've seen, um, and what I think is happening out there, you know, everyone's going to have their different opinions about it. But, uh, yeah, so definitely a step in the right direction as far as Namibia is concerned. Uh, So they opened their borders on the 1st. And, um, yeah, definitely leap in the right direction. Look, I don't think, especially South Africa, I don't think our tourist industry can take too much more. Um, I've had a lot of discussions, and I actually met with uh, with we were, we were just actually sitting around at a restaurant, and I met with one of the Eastern Cape uh, tourism and travel uh, people that were quite heavily involved in our airport infrastructure and where we stand as far as getting ready for accepting tourists and stuff. And I think. Don't quote me on this, but uh, I think we, we're almost there. We're almost ready to do the whole thing and uh, start accepting tourist guests. Look, I don't know if, again, I'm going to say it, I don't know if our tourist industry can take too much more of what's actually happening. It's it's frustrating for all of us. I mean, I'm constantly seeing on the news with the wine industry taking a knock and various other aspects and uh yes it's it's a sad situation and i don't know if i'm allowed to say it, but uh I, w- I wish this thing was over as soon as possible it's, it's starting to get in the way now and it's starting to become a real nuisance and uh i don't know i really it's 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 one of, it's it's such a weird situation to be in because there's a part of me that's saying that you know how how much of the shit is actually true and how much of it isn't you know um i understand it's a sensitive thing because there's lots of people that have lost loved ones 
But on the other hand, there's a lot of people that are, are suffering now because they've lost jobs. And yeah, anyway, on a positive note, it's raining outside. <laughs> no, just jokes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, yeah, great lead from Namibia. I'm super stoked for them, um, especially the Professional Hunters Association. I really think that they that they need it. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can start getting bookings sooner rather than later, you know. Um, it's a tricky one, a tricky time of the year as well uh, to start accepting hunters in. But um, yeah, we've got to take what we can get, you know. Um, at the end of the day, we've got to look at this from a business point of view and as well as a wildlife conservation point of view, you know. We, we need to keep our animals around and we need, we need to start controlling herds and stuff like I spoke about last week. So yeah, thumbs up to uh, Namibia. Guys, and then, um, yeah, as far as the South African point of view goes, it's quite tricky, um, especially now with SAA. There's a lot of um, uncertainty around the airline. So, uh, yeah, and what does this mean for the hunting industry is rifles. Um, I'll have to do a little bit more research, but I'm not quite sure which which airlines will be compensating rifles and bringing rifles over. I know SAA was one of them, and uh, with the uncertainty and the shadows surrounding them at this point, um, yeah, just make sure you do your full research before booking your your next safari. The, does your outfitter supply you with rifles? And, um, yeah, it's a big one. It really is a big one. So, uh, yeah. Okay, guys, cool. So, moving on. Uh, I said to you a little bit earlier in the introduction that I would like to introduce you guys a little bit about PH Toolbox. Cool. So, my story behind PH Toolbox, was, a lot of you guys don't know, but I joined the family business. My mom's got an extremely successful tire business, tire industry business here in Queenstown, and um, it's been part of our family for, for some time now. It was actually started by my mom and my dad about 32 years ago. So I joined them and, uh, yeah, decided that uh, hunting and conservation was my passion. And, uh, yeah, my family's always believed in follow your passion and follow your dreams and just you know do what you want to do and um, unfortunately being in the family business wasn't it and then COVID hit <laughs> so uh, I had to do a quick reverse and uh, go back to the business but uh, there was a point of there, there, there was a part of me that was still stuck between this weird um, combination whether I should you know pursue what I want to do or should I stick it out in the family business and have a secure income you know and I've just got a family now so I had to keep all these possibilities in place um, and uh, you know I couldn't be selfish anymore I had to think of my family think of of our future um, and what this meant but uh, I couldn't help but think about my fellow PHs especially the ones out there that did this full-time and uh, I designed this PH toolbox program that sold what I use in the bush. And um, my idea around it was to have a sporting goods store, so like a safari shop, where us as PHs would get together once a month or once a quarter, whatever the case may be, 
sit down and highlight a couple of the important tools that we use in the bush when we're hunting. And the program was in order going to be developed around that we would find suppliers for these essential items that we use, like torches, knives, etc. And then put them on our platform to sell. And any PA that joined the program, if they recommended a link to the to the website, and the potential client would click on that link and bought something through there, they would earn commission. Therefore, filling some of the gaps when the hunting season's over. Or when a pandemic hits. So, um, yeah, I wasn't the sole brainchild. There was a couple of my mates and, you know, I bounced this idea off a, a few good resources in town and so, and, and around and uh, in our industry and stuff. And one of the concerning factors was, did we have a place in the market? Because there's so many outdoor, outdoor shops out there. There's so many safari shops. There's so many camping shops and all these sort of things. But... Did we have our specific area in this huge market? And my belief was that maybe not just yet, but the more quality professional hunters we get onto the program and start promoting the website and actually bringing some added benefits to the website, added goods, things that we never thought of before, things that I don't use that somebody else uses and it's working really well for them. So it's early days. Um, we've got some cool things other than hunting, like uh, the rings made out of buffalo horn, giraffe bone, buffalo bone, fellow deer antler. The list just goes on and on and on. Warthog tusk, uh, hippo tusk. And then we've got our handcrafted knives, but um, on there as well is a pH program. You go along, you subscribe. It is exactly like an affiliate marketer. And I think we're still in very early days, and I'm hoping this develops um, to bigger things, especially for my, pH, my fellow pHs that need to fill those gaps when hunting season is not there. So... Uh, yeah, I don't want to waffle on too much, um, but I'm super proud of it. I'm super proud of what we've achieved in two weeks. It's it's so awesome. You guys can get some of my merch there, merchandise. And um, yeah, it's. I'm hoping, you know, this is just the start and it's just the base model. Um, I'm hoping it grows from here and I'm, I'm hoping I can report back to you guys in the next year and say <laughs> we've, we've done it. But uh, yeah, it's... It's a cool idea, and I think it will work. And, um, yeah, you know, guys, being a PH is it's not for everybody, but there are a select few out there that are good guys and do it for the right reasons. And there's definitely a place in this in this market for, for good quality professional hunters that have got conservation, hunting at heart, and looking after our wonderful wildlife. So, um that's what this model is based around. So, yeah, guys, if you haven't yet, head along to phtoolbox.co.za um, and just scratch around. Um, there's a contact page on there if you've got any questions. 
Um, and yeah, I, I, hit me up on any one of my social media platforms. I would be happy to answer any questions that come that come our way. And uh, I, like I said, uh, you know, obviously there is a financial gain in this thing, and uh, uh, no one's gonna do it for for nothing. And I do want it to be successful. But I'm also in the mindset that I I need to look out for for my fellow PHs and and the guys out there that you know there's a lot of us well there's a lot of guys out there that are really successful at what they do and uh, have really hit the ground running and maybe they don't need something like this but there are guys out there that are passionate and driven uh, by our wildlife and conservation that just don't have the means to fill those gaps so this is a great platform to start off with so um yeah i'm waffling along a little bit yeah but uh i'm super proud of it and uh yeah head along there have a look um let me know what you guys think and maybe even hit me up with some advice going along so uh big shout out to the guys at in soccer um i'm so stoked i, I joined their course at the beginning of lockdown and yeah like i said two weeks ago it was all over um my website was up and running we had our first client uh, and now the ball's rolling so big shout out to warwick uh, and the guys that in soccer super stoked with what i've achieved in in such a short space of time so um yeah guys what brings me to um our sunday discussion is a message i got on facebook like i said Unfortunately, I'm not going to share any names or anything like that. I don't think, uh, firstly, I'm allowed to. And secondly, uh, I don't think it will be fair on anyone. So um, the message goes as follows. Uh, Good day. I'd just like to start off by saying I love your content um, and the knowledge you have on your fine country and industry. It's rare that in today's modern age, that we have such a true ambassador for the bush and the amazing wildlife. First, firstly, thank you for those kind words. Um, the reason for my message is that I'll be turning over a new chapter in my life and I'll be turning 56 years old next year. I've been to Africa several times and each one of them I've cherished and held very close to my heart. My son is ready to experience the dark continent and I want to give him a once in a lifetime experience. Our lives have become crazy in the modern day technology and I feel we haven't connected as much. I've seen the tourist attractions like Table Mountain, Elephant Parks, etc. What I haven't experienced is the rich culture and history your country carries. That's true. Uh, goes on to say, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And then it says, yeah, would you be able to plan a two-week trip into the unknown parts of South Africa? We'll be arriving in the April period, if this is a good time for you. I know the old saying goes, once you've been to Africa once, you won't stop going. I just don't know when my next time will, I just don't know when I will be back. I'm sure this is the start of many for my son. Thank you once again for all the great content, blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. So let's get into it. I just want to start off by saying uh, a very big thank you. That's um, a wonderful message, and I love getting messages so that I can, you know, reply 
a little bit of knowledge and share a little bit of my experience. So uh, a little bit of my knowledge of what I've got, um, especially in the Eastern Cape culture side of things and history, and then uh, sharing some of my experiences with guys like this that would maybe relate, that they could relate to um, and share with their family. Cool. So, guys, <clears throat> it's a big thing that's been coming up as far as hunting is concerned. There's been a lot of guys that don't come out anymore just to kill animals. They want to come out and experience South Africa. They want to come out and experience, you know, our culture, our history. Um, you know, some of it may be dark, like apartheid, but some of it might be awesome, you know, like the Bushman paintings, etc. But it's been an interesting thing for me to experience because when I started PHing, it was all about the tape measure and it was all about the animals. I mean, at that stage, we were paying $8,000 for a sable uh, and a select few could come over and shoot one or two animals and uh, extra out of their packages and stuff. Now the market's changed completely. You're paying now probably like two grand a sable and you're shooting a lot more animals so therefore you're not only coming out for seven days you're coming out for 15 days and the extra bit of days you yeah just to share experiences and stuff what i try and do when i'm phing is as we go along and hunt different species of animals not on our outfitters ranch i try and incorporate as much of the culture and experience as possible for instance one of my favorite places to go in the eastern cape is Crawfernet. Um i must try and get this right now come de Boer national park it's it's this magnificent park national park obviously loads of wildlife but as well once you get to the top of you'll you'll see once you get there it overlooks this vast landscape, and it's a beautiful area. And I mean, you've got these massive Dolomite uh, towers, um, you know, like scars, natural skyscrapers. It's beautiful, it really is. But in the same breath, you can go there and you can hunt really nice fall rebuck, really nice mountain rebuck, and one of my personal favorite clip springs. So a little story about Crawford Last year, I had a very good friend of mine. We, uh, it would have been my second, no, third time hunting with him. We've come out and we've shared some incredible experiences from hunting hippo down in the Fish River to skyscraping mountains for Ordad's barber sheep. Um, but he came out, brought his whole family with and we decided <laughs> we decided that we were going to do three of the most challenging hunts literally in one day and 800 kilometers apart that, that, that that's how wild the story is so to put it into perspective, we started off at 5 o'clock in the morning. No, actually, half past 4. We woke up half past 4. We met at the lodge, had a cup of coffee, packed our lunches, packed our breakfast, and we head out. Our first stop would have only been 320 k's later. 
for Fall Ruback and Clipspringer. So the Fall Ruback story goes is we saw a nice little herd <coughs> and uh, we gave them a really good stalk. As you can imagine, you're hunting them on the top peaks of the mountains. Uh, the wind is pumping. Um, it's chilly. And we get to... They built a little f um, fences hut at the top of the mountain for the fences. And we get there and we, you know, we start planning our next stalk. So we've closed the distance from 500 yards to maybe about 250. We're getting ready now to close another 100 yards before we're ready to actually take a shot. So we come up with this plan. Anyway, cut a long story short, we get there. We get in with 200-yard range, and we decide we're going to have a shot before they crawl over the edge of the mountain. And uh, unfortunately, we miss. Head back to the pickup. Now, <clears throat> you've got to understand, uh, in the back of my mind, I kept planning um, certain time frames. So I gave ourselves a morning to hunt the far back, an afternoon to hunt the grace back. Then we would have had to be on our way to get to the next place at about between 11 and 12 o'clock at night for the grace back, cave grace back. So <clears throat> what happened is we're running short and it's now afternoon. We've just had our packed lunch and we see this herd of far back again. Anyway, we get there and probably about another two hours later, we put a, put a magnificent stalk on them uh, downhill and he pulls off an awesome shot. Drops the fall back. By the time we get it up, take a couple of photos, there's about three hours of daylight left. So we proceed on and we get to where we spot a couple of clips from here. And uh, we put in a textbook stalk. Really, uh, I was so confident that, I, I mean, guys, we're hunting high in the mountains. So we're probably about 15,000 feet above sea level. Uh, it really is high and magnificent views, like I said. Um, you're overlooking, uh, you know, the whole Crawford region. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful there. Anyway, so we see these, uh, these clips ringer. Put in a textbook store, get behind one rock, we get comfortable, and we're about to take the shot, and next minute they just bolt. They were gone. They scattered everywhere, um, and I couldn't figure it out. It, we, we were downwind, the conditions were perfect, everything, and I look above and there's this massive black eagle. So, uh, but an experience I'll never forget because you, you're hunting, you're literally crouched up against the back of the rock, your back's up against it, the wind's blowing into your face and this massive shadow comes soaring over you. Um, the experience was next level. I mean, it will be very difficult for me to ever experience that sort of feeling again, witnessing one of these birds in full hunt mode and uh yeah so anyway i take that close to my heart and so we decide that you know what um time's running out now it's the sun's the sun's about to set we still got to drive probably about another two hours down the mountain uh get into town get something to eat and then head on our way again for another 
I think it's about 500 kilometers. Um, it felt longer, but uh, just to get there at about 12 o'clock. So anyway, we do that. We get there. Uh, it's just just ticked over to just ticked over uh, quarter past 12. We pick up where we're meant to be going to hunt Kreisbach now. Cape Kreisbach, we hunt at night with the spotlight. Anyway, uh, it's getting late now. We've probably been hunting Kreisies for about three hours. And uh, we're almost about to call it a day. It's almost four o'clock in the morning. We're almost ready to pack it in. And uh, this massive, massive Cape Kreisbach, the biggest one I've ever taken, Steps out just above the riverbed, and we knew we only had one shot because if we missed, um, he was gone. He would have gone into the riverbed, and we would have never seen him again, and that was it. One out of the three animals we would have shot. Anyway, places it straight on the shoulder, drops it with one shot, and the feeling that I got was next level. It was unbelievable um i've just pulled off the unthinkable almost 800 kilometers traveled uh, because we had to go all the way back another four hours now after this because we planned accommodation a little bit late and uh so my day started at half past four i eventually got into bed at half past five the next morning with a ginormous fall rework and a massive, massive, massive Kreisbach. And um, the experience was next level. And, yeah, again, just going back to the whole thing is, you know, I try and incorporate these experiences into some of the unique places the Eastern Cape has to offer. So uh, that, that for me, was Hrafanet in a, in a nutshell. Um yeah, like I said, you can go to the Kamdebu, Kamdebur, sorry, Kamdebur National Park, where the Dolomite Towers are, the landscape is next level, but the hunting is also brilliant there. So um, in hindsight, I would have spent a day there um, and not been under pressure, but... I will never look back and say, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, because the experiences I had that day were unbelievable, and I wouldn't change them for the world. So, yeah, that's Grafrenet. Next up, um, quite a weird one for me. Um, there is a little bit of hunting in the area, um, but to me it's a it's a, a winter destination. Uh, we, we get snow here in South Africa, but not a hell of a lot. But in this area, especially in the Drakensberg, there's there's quite a lot of snow. So the next for me will be Rhodes. Uh, just a quick history about Rhodes. Rhodes was was a, a pivotal movement in the Boer War. Um, the Boers invaded the area numerous amounts of times. And, uh, you know, moral has it that they actually named Rhodes and, uh, uh, after Cecil John Rhodes um, in hope that he would look favorable for his people. So he would look over them and hoping to send more troops there to protect them because of the Boers. They were just invading and capturing and 
yeah, uh, taking all their supplies and stuff. So yeah, that, that's that's just a brief history. Uh, some of the cool things about there, there's some really nice fall rhubarb to hunt in the area. Um, as well as, uh, it's not part of the Eastern Cape, but Lesotho is just over the border. And one of the cool things about Lesotho, you've got the Sani Pass, and a Right at the top of the signing pass is the highest pub in Africa. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the cool things um, in the Eastern Cape. And that area is specifically very well known for trout fishing and fly fishing. And um, I know this because a couple of my uncles are were really passionate about it and they love the area. So... If you do come over to South Africa and you want to do that and you want to experience a little bit something different, I've actually got a couple of spots booked up um, in the area, some awesome trout fishing. Um, I've just started getting into fly fishing a little bit, learning here and there, uh, but I would like to get into it quite seriously. Um, yeah, fantastic spot. And especially in the winter months when it's snowy, it is beautiful, beautiful for the family to go around to. And if you've got a couple of extra days, pop up to Sani at the top of Lesotho. It's, it's really something to cherish and, uh, yeah, magnificent. Then, um, guys, yeah, you know, the list, this list can go on forever. But uh, I'm going to mention one more. It's very close to my heart uh, for obvious reasons. And... That's the Transcar, the wild coast. And I'm not talking about Hole in the Wall, which is extremely popular little destinations or um, Coffee Bay and that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm talking more about the real Transcar wild coast. Um, it's a very, it's very close to my heart. Uh, my dad grew up there in the Transkei. During the apartheid era, Transkei was a complete separate country to the rest. Um, and he had, well, his parents had trading stations. My grandfather and them had trading stations there. So basically trading stations were essential shops where people could go and cash in their pensions, uh, buy basic goods, even they could even buy livestock. Um, it was pretty much the connection between uh, the urban community and the Transcar rural side of things. So, uh, yeah, the president at that stage or the leader of the Transcar was Matanzima. Um, some really rich history in that area, and uh, it's pretty cool. Look, a lot of it's going to be dark uh, as far as apartheid's concerned, um, but a lot of it is pretty cool. There's some really amazing people there the craftsmanship is unbelievable with beadwork and uh, a lot of the other things they do there's some in Komboti so uh, it's a local it's a beer they make out of yeast and stuff and um, yeah it's unbelievable fishing it's really rural you stay in cottages um, it's amazing the beaches are magnificent uh, some really really like I said good fishing so, um, yeah, uh, I just, I wanted to end off, <clears throat> you see my posts, uh, over the past couple of days, I posted 
some of the traditional stuff that plants were used for uh, back in the day. And uh, with with all what's going on in the world, with racial racial tensions being as high as ever, my dad always used to say to me, say, you know, when apartheid will always be looked at as an excuse for modern day transformation. And I was too young to understand, but the more the more I'm growing and the more I'm learning about our past and learning about how to handle the future. The way we meant to be moving forward and especially South Africans is we need to start embracing one another's cultures. We don't have to live by them, but helping yourself to understand them it will go a long way. Um, South Africans and Africans especially, we've we've got some incredible incredible cultures. We've got some incredible human beings. Um, we need to embrace them and we need to live with one another and we need to understand one another's cultures. We we be too lazy and we keep looking for excuses too quickly. It's because of apartheid, it's because I'm white, it's because I'm black. It's because of all these racial things. Um, Stop looking for excuses and try and understand one another's point of view. And I've been very silent with uh, a lot of the movements out there, like Black Lives Matter, you know, Farm Murders, which is a big one for me. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all can't expect to be the same. We've all got to learn to live with one another because unfortunately or fortunately whichever way you want to see it we need one another more than we think and it's the arrogance of individuals that don't believe in that and for me the sooner we learn to live with one another the sooner we learn to appreciate one another and the sooner we learn to understand one another's cultures, the better it's going to be for all of us. Now, I'm not condemning any actions that have been going on, any riots, any farm murders, any of that sort of stuff. I'm just saying the less, the less we want to learn, the more we're going to hurt one another. And the more we want to learn, the better it's going to be for us in the future. So yeah, guys, I don't want to, I don't want to be negative or anything like that. I've had a good conversation with you guys, a good, nice little discussion, Sunday discussion. I love it. Um, I love getting my point of view out there. I love voicing my opinion. <laughs> Although I might be just talking absolute shit. I just, I really dig it. Um, yeah, we've just got it. We, we've got a beautiful country. We've, we've, we've really got special people in it. And um, yeah, 
it's amazing to be a part of. Uh, I just wish that things would turn for the better, and I'm hoping they do. We've always got to be positive, and I'm extremely positive about the future. And, um, yeah, we're looking ahead. Um, but, yeah, big thumbs up again to everyone that supported me. I really appreciate it, guys. I, I'm just – I can't tell you how grateful I am. I mean, to get to 2,000 followers, I, I know it's not a big deal to some of you, but to me um, – it's it means a lot you know and uh yeah so if you're watching us on youtube don't forget to subscribe please <laughs> every little bit helps um but yeah guys so that's it for sunday discussion um you can hit me up on any one of my platforms any one of my social media platforms and now even on ph toolbox my con uh my contact details are all there um, I'm so stoked to looking forward. I'm hoping to have a couple of guests. I've got a few guys lined up, but like I said, with the Wi-Fi connections and stuff in South Africa being a little bit iffy, and especially with load, sh load shedding, um, we get disrupted. So I want something clean and and uh, going forward. So uh, yeah, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have somebody um, on you. But um, until then, oh, big thumbs up to Namibian, by the way. Huge step forward. And uh, the tourist industry needs it. So big thumbs up. Um, so yeah, guys, from myself, my PH Toolbox team and my PH Journals team, thank you so much for joining me on the Sunday discussion. Um, stay safe, um, be humble, and don't forget, learn. Learn about one another's cultures and differences. Um, but until next Sunday, uh, stay safe, stay humble, and we'll see you guys. Cheers. Thank you.